Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight, and we'll be in a few places, but we'll end up at Acts 4. This will be part two of uh, the message, When Ye Pray. We started this last Wednesday, and I'd like to continue to talk about this subject of prayer. We looked mainly at just praying as an individual last time. We'll look at praying corporately this time. I'll start with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for your goodness in just making, uh, giving us the provisions that we need and the health that we need to, do, to, to keep serving you. Oh, Lord, we look to you for those in our midst who are struggling with health needs, that you would have your hand upon each one. Pray for Ab as he's waiting for a heart transplant. And uh, Steindorf's also their, their son uh, dealing with a similar situation. Lord, have your hand in these things, we pray, and, and uh, teach us uh, your timing and teach us to wait on you. But Lord, we do look for your deliverance. Lord, bless in this service now as we look at the matter of prayer. Teach us to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll review from last week. I, I mentioned as we began last week, uh, why do we need to pray? Just a few things I wrote down for myself. Prayer for, forces me to slow down, if not stop altogether. It helps me to uh, have to tune in to what God uh, is, is doing. And, and uh, if there was no prayer, I'd be running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And sometimes I am. Uh, prayer also reminds us of our need for God. It keeps us from being self-dependent. Without prayer, we would be lonely and we would be self-dependent. Uh, prayer is an exercise in humility. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And we bow the knee and heart to him. Uh, we draw nigh to him and he draws nigh to us. Prayer engages us in what God is doing. What a blessing it is to be able to participate in what God is doing. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Uh, <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 12 talks about us wrestling against uh, principalities and powers and rulers and so forth. This is, this is that unseen reality that we get to participate in through prayer. Prayer is where fellowship with God takes place. And I mentioned last time that prayer is the irreducible minimum of our relationship with God. They can't take prayer from us. They can take everything else from us practically, but you always have that opportunity to pray. Matthew 6 was where we spent our time last week, and that is not where we'll be this week, so I won't review all of that. But we took some practical takeaways from the passage. Do not pray as the hypocrites pray. Do not use vain repetitions. Do not forget who you are talking to. In other words, he's the God who is in heaven, who knows what we need before we ask him. We don't need to bargain with him. We don't need to impress him. We don't need to command him. We don't need to uh, manipulate him. We need to beseech him. And Jesus gives us that model prayer, again, not so we can repeat it over and over, uh, but so we can understand the right way to pray. And as we uh, consider this, uh, individually, it's a blessing to be able to go boldly to the throne of grace that we can obtain help uh, for that time of need. But it's also a blessing to go to the Lord corporately. And so that's where we want to spend our time today. Corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. What is corporate prayer? Where it's where a few of us get together. And we ask and we beseech him 
and he, uh, he helps us, he meets with us. In Acts 4.23, <clears throat> the Bible says, And being let go, they went, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The, I just lost my place. There it is. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. I've probably preached from this passage at least two or three times since I've been pastor here. And I, I'm not planning to preach through it tonight, but more just use this whole passage as an example of corporate prayer, as we're dealing with some practicalities of corporate prayer. And this is a, a great example, and it's probably my, my favorite example. Well, that's a hard one. Uh, the time when there was a corporate prayer meeting and Peter knocked at the door and uh, the, the poor girl forgot to let him in. That's also uh, another one of my favorite stories of corporate prayer. But this one probably is my favorite. It comes in the context of, first of all, a great move of God in Acts 2, 3, and 4. All kinds of stuff is happening. The early church is just booming. People are getting saved daily. The Lord is adding to his church such as should be saved uh, there's, there's miracles, there's healings, and then there is opposition, big time, and persecution comes in. And they are threatened to within an inch of their life, and they would have been killed if the persecutors could have killed them and gotten away with it. But at this point, they didn't think they could because the whole town was turned upside down. And so in Acts 4, they just threatened them and let them go. <clears throat> And they say, if you preach and teach again, we're going to kill you. But we're not today because there's too many people who would kill us if we tried. <laughs> so go home and we'll you know, live to die another day. So it was sad news. It was terrifying news. It was unsettling news to take back to their own company. And that's where we picked it up in verse 30, I'm sorry, in 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And it was this sobering report that uh, birthed a, a prayer meeting. You know what I've found? There are some prayer meetings that you don't need to put on the calendar. You don't need to schedule them. Sometimes all you have to do to have a prayer meeting is just announce a certain prayer request. I can remember in Ireland, Oriel and I were trying to start that church, and 
It was tough sledding. And there were many times that we had opposition that we faced. And there were times where we would go out in the community and try to preach and try to, to start something and, and get the word out. And, oh man, we would be so beat up emotionally and a couple times physically. I never got beat up, but my, my friend got, uh, he took it uh, a couple times. Not, not Oriel, but another guy. And I remember a couple times we would walk home and hardly say a word and we'd open the door hardly say a word and we'd go into this one room where we used to always pray and we would just get on our knees and just someone would start praying and then we'd pray around my wife uh oriel's wife heather oriel myself very quickly uh the lord sent us uh lee was his name and adele i think lee and adele and they were basically street missionaries on their own, and the Lord brought us together. And they were so glad to see us, and we were so glad to see them. And so now we had three couples. And uh, we'd, we'd get back to Oriel's house, and no one would have to say, well, do you think we should pray? Or how about we have a prayer meeting? Uh, who wants to go first? How about Lee, you lead out, and then Oriel, you take it. And then, you know, there was no need for any of that. We would walk in heavy-hearted, put our stuff down, fall to our knees on, by the couch or the chairs, and just pray. Those were some of the best prayer meetings I've ever been in. It's those prayer meetings that come out of a sense of urgency and desperation. And that's what this prayer meeting is. It's a corporate prayer meeting that came out of a real dire need. And you see how they pray. Uh, again, I've preached through this before. I don't want to re-preach those messages tonight. But how they pray is so biblical. And it's so thorough. It's so God-centered. It's so filled with faith. They're standing on actual scriptures. And they're leaning on His sovereignty, His control. And they're asking for great things. They're, they're asking for boldness. They're asking for God's hand to be stretched forth, for great wonders to be done. And God hears them, and God answers in a great way. And in this time, he actually uh, shook the place. That's, that, that'd be something else, wouldn't it? When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Now, those things are neat. Don't get your sights set on the incidentals. If Rick Flanders was here, that's what he would say. Dr. Rick Flanders would say, the incidentals are great. They're exciting. They're, they're fun. But you don't chase the incidentals. You focus on Jesus. And whatever incidentals he gives us is fine. If the place shakes, we'll let it shake. But we're not going to pray until the place shakes. Somebody shake it so we can go home, you know. Uh, no, we're, gonna, we're going to just seek the Lord until... We believe that uh, this prayer meeting is finished and we can move forward. I'd like us to talk about the ins and outs of corporate prayer and really just get very, very practical tonight. Normally I'd preach verse by verse. We'd go through all of this. I've done that before with this passage. I just want to talk about corporate prayer in general, all right? So as we talk about corporate prayer, some, sometimes we do have a hard time even getting to first base because in our midst... 
there are, not just our midst, when I say our midst, I should define that. Uh, within churches of like faith and practice, such as ours, there are differences concerning who should pray, whether men or women or children. And so we have to talk about this. It's kind of hard to have a corporate prayer meeting when we can't agree on who is even allowed to participate. I'm not going to have time to be completely thorough on this, but I do want to at least dip my toe in the water and at least tell you where I'm at and where our church is at as far as our practice. I do believe that it is healthy to have corporate prayer meetings with men, women, and children present and participating. To whatever degree the individual feels comfortable and led of the Lord. Uh, you do see that men, women, and children were gathered together in corporate prayer in the Bible. Remember, uh, Rhoda goes to the door, Peter's out there, she forgets to let him in, she runs back in, uh, and then finally goes and gets him. And there was men, women, children there in that prayer meeting, praying, beseeching God for Peter to be released, and God did do that. In Acts 1.14, I don't know if I have these scriptures on there or not. I'm just going to read my notes, and if it's there, guys, put it up. If it's not, I'm not sure I put all of these scriptures in the, in the slides. Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So it's interesting that it calls out that they were in one accord, not a Honda accord, okay? You know, they're praying in one accord. Dad joke. Go, sorry. They're praying in one accord with the women. All right, so they're involved with this. Uh, uh, Acts 2, 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. All right, they, who was they? All the people who just got saved. They got saved, they were added to the church, thousands. And when, uh, Acts 12, 12, Acts 12, 12, when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. It doesn't say specifically men or women, but it says many. And so I think we could assume it's more than likely a mixed gathering. And you do see that uh, precedent throughout uh, the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 11, and this one, boy, I, I started to get into this, 1 Corinthians 11, and I got sucked into it. Brother, you ever have that happen when you're preaching a message and you're preaching over here and then you take this verse and next thing you know, you got two messages going and I had to backtrack. We'll have to come back to 1 Corinthians 11 another time where I can just do 1 Corinthians 11 because this one, there's no way we'd do it tonight and, and talk about corporate prayer. But I'll say this much from 1 Corinthians 11. This is the one point I want to take out of that tonight. 1 Corinthians 11 assumes that women do indeed pray in church because he's talking about do they pray with their head covered or uncovered. He's talking about how they pray and the various customs that they have, and he's helping them work through that. I almost got into all of that, but that's a rabbit trail, but that's one we need to have another time. The whole 1 Corinthians 11, what is the covering, and all of that, and so forth. So we'll come back to that, Lord willing. But the point I think we can draw from it safely tonight is Paul is assuming right off the bat that women do indeed pray in church, and uh, uh, he is not condemning them for praying in church. He is helping them rather understand how they should pray, all right? Um, 
In 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, he does say that women should keep silence. So some would say that means prayer. Well, how, there, there seems to be a 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Corinthians 14 would then be uh, in opposition with each other. Contextually, I believe 1 Corinthians 14, when it's talking about keeping silence, we're dealing with the, the, the teaching, the prophesying, the speaking, uh, the, the preaching. And so women are not uh, set for that role. Uh, but I don't believe that when it says silence, it's meaning no prayer whatsoever. There are those who disagree with me on this, and I would not separate from them. And maybe some here in our midst also take a different view. I think we can be gracious, and I think that you folks have been, and I don't know who believes what on this, uh, but there certainly is some room for discussion. Uh, but this is how I see it uh, from Scripture. Um, so I believe that women do add a lot to a prayer meeting. I have appreciated many times praying with my wife, just understanding um, the... the the burdens that she has and the, the intuitions she has and the perspective that she has and even the emotions. And uh, I've, I've had my, uh, my share of um, prayer meetings with men and women praying where I was just greatly blessed by the women who prayed. They did not preach from the pew. That can happen. Uh, you know, the, pre the praying goes to preaching. <laughs> Nobody should do that, male or female. If you're going to preach, preach. If you're going to pray, pray. Um, uh, but I've seen sweet, submitted, humble, spirit-filled ladies pray in a way that has helped me greatly. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, we have had um, that practice here where men and women are... Uh, uh, definitely uh, um, encouraged to participate in our, in our prayer meetings together. Uh, I'm going to come back to that in a moment, but let me just talk about children for a minute. So what about children? Uh, children also, I believe, were present in biblical prayer meetings. There's not much direct biblical um, information concerning children praying. Jesus did say, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, and so forth. I mean, he loved children. Children were there. Um, so I believe that a children, can, a children can participate, but I believe you need to have parental leadership and parental involvement with this because children don't have the same maturity level. They don't have the same discernment. And children are highly emotional, and prayer meetings can become very emotional. And sometimes uh, prayer meetings can be led away on emotion, and that can be uh, a problematic. But children don't have the same maturity as an adult, and so therefore the parent needs to be very involved uh, in helping their child. I've seen prayer meetings where children uh, prayed just so sweetly and so filled with faith. And it was a rebuke to all the adults. And I've seen children weep in prayer meetings, weeping for their unsaved loved one. That just tears your heart out. I would never want to just say, no, children, you can't pray. No, I mean, sometimes it's that, it's that voice of the child that breaks the whole thing open and people are really uh, able to commune with the Lord. Um, but here's what happens with kids. 
Children are oftentimes, especially in this, in this phase of life, they're kind of in the copycat phase, and that's how they learn. Uh, they copy parents. They copy people. And they're, they're also very peer-driven. And so I've been in prayer meetings, corporate prayer meetings, where a child prays and is just moved by the Holy Spirit and moves the whole group. And another child says, that's cool. I want to be like so-and-so. And so another child gets up and prays. And another child gets up and prays. And then we have the string of 15 kids, and now all of them have to pray. And that's where we need parents, where a parent needs to recognize, okay, now I think that something's off here. And you maybe just whisper down your row, hey, if you want to pray, check with me first. I can remember my parents doing that. I, I remember we had a revival meeting with Dr. Hal Webb. He's with the Lord now. And uh, it became the cool thing for all the kids to pray, and it got out of hand. And I remember mama, my mom and dad saying, we want you to pray, but if you want to pray, just talk to us first. And sometimes, all right, what do you want to pray about, Nathan? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Okay, the Lord's not talking to you. You just wait and listen to everybody else, right? Um, so children uh, can, can be a great blessing. Uh, they, can, they can also derail a prayer meeting if there's a void of leadership. So we just need children to have a healthy relationship with their parents and a healthy sense of what's going on, a healthy sense of their place within the whole, a healthy understanding of the authority structure, and parents can help with that. And then I, I believe children ha have a, a great impact in, in prayer meetings. Uh, children should probably do more listening than speaking in general in life because you can learn so much. I, I love it that kids are able to, in our church to interact with adults and with uh, the aged and to hear them pray and to learn. I want that. I don't want to discourage it. So we're trying to balance this as we move through. So now getting back to the who should pray, right? Who can pray? Uh, men, women, children. There is a question that I've had many times, and that is what about segregated prayer meetings? Men with men only uh, and women with women only. Uh, this is uh, a custom, especially down south. A lot of southern churches that I have been in, in evangelism, uh, whenever there's a prayer meeting, every single time, the men go over here and the women go over there. And there is never, ever a man ever praying with his, wi uh, with his wife or, or men praying with women. It just doesn't happen. Um, and I was always curious about that. And uh, I've, I've learned there, there are reasons, obviously, for why uh, some churches have chosen to do that. Um, I would have to say this, though, there is no direct command in Scripture to do that, all right? Uh, there's no biblical inference, even, that would lead us to require men to, play, to pray exclusively with men and women to pray exclusively with women. However, practically speaking, some churches have decided to do this for several reasons, and this is not all of them, but this is a few of them. Some women feel more comfortable praying with other women. In fact, many women feel more comfortable praying with other women. And some women would never, ever pray in the presence of a man. And so in, in, in an effort to facilitate greater prayer amongst the women, some churches have divided to encourage the women to pray. So, hey, I get it. Uh, then you also have uh, some object to the intimacy of prayer and fear that unhealthy emotional bonds could be formed. And this is, you may think that this is crazy, but this is a thing, all right? Uh, so in corporate prayer, uh, it gets too intimate, it gets too emotional, there's too much connection, 
and it could be a problem if men and women pray together. And I, I do know of some situations where it was a problem. I know of a, a situation where there was a bus ministry in a church, and the, the bus captains all prayed with their bus workers, and they had all these prayer meetings in the bus ministry, and it's very emotional, and there is an intimacy there. And the heart of a bus captain who was married got knit with the heart of a bus worker, and she was unmarried, and she could really pray, and he could really pray. And, oh, she, she wants what I want, and, you know, my wife doesn't have this kind of heart for the Lord, and all of a sudden these kind of things happen, and they knit a bond in prayer, and they ran off together. And that whole thing went south really fast. Uh, so in some churches like that, they just say, nope, not doing this, not doing it. Men are over here, women are over there, that's how we're doing it. Now what I would say is, I think we always got to be careful not to overreact to bad things that happen. And if we do make a standard, you're allowed to make standards. And they don't always have to be spelled out verbatim in the Bible. There could be a principle that you're applying and you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And for us, we need this standard. You may not need it. You may not understand it, but this is what we need to serve the Lord. Hey, we need to respect that. And you might say, I don't see that in the Bible. But give them credit. They're basing it on a principle in the Bible. And they've got context in their family. They know what they're dealing with. They come up with a standard. Let them be. All right? Hopefully we can agree to that. Some churches have done the same thing. Okay? Some churches have done the same thing. And it's not, thus saith the Lord, but they say, we have our culture, our history, our church, whatever. For these reasons, we're going to do a certain thing. And so for some churches, they have just always done segregated prayer meetings. Uh, so I would just, we, we haven't done that, um, but I, I do believe sometimes it's good to have women pray with women. It's good for ladies to connect. It's good to have men pray with men sometimes. I think we should mix it up. We have a Saturday morning men's prayer meeting. We meet right over here in this section, nine o'clock every Saturday, and it is a great time. Any men any teens, teen men who would like to come, I highly encourage it. We have some ladies who get together, uh, some moms get together and pray uh, and, and pour their hearts out to the Lord, praying for family and praying for church and various things. These are great things. I don't personally believe we need to have one way that we pray, uh, but there can be multiple ways that can be effective in corporate prayer. What do you do if you're in a setting where the prayer format is uncomfortable to you? Well, I would just say be respectful. Participate as much as you are able. And if you're not able, don't participate at all. But just sit silently by in a respectful manner. Try to learn what you can. Be present in that situation. But don't do anything forced. God wants this to be a matter of liberty. We'll come back to that in a moment. So who can pray? I believe in corporate prayer, we've got to have children praying, men praying, women praying, and there's various ways that we can do that. We'll flesh that out later in the message as far as the different formats of corporate prayer. All right, how to pray. In fact, we're there now. Here we go. How to pray. Let's look at the actual formats of praying. In Acts 4, the format was pretty straightforward. They get the bad news. Hey, guys, if we keep preaching, we're all going to die. 
And what they do? They hit their knees and started praying. That's pretty simple. <laughs> it's a simple format. Just everybody hit your knees and start crying out to God. How do we pray corporately? Well, the Bible tells us that we're to do all things decently and in order. And sometimes prayer meetings can get out of order real fast. So uh, there's been different ways that corporate prayer meetings have been structured. You're familiar with some of these. So, uh, so one way to cor for corporate prayer is called responsive prayer. Anybody ever been there? We don't do this much in the Baptist circles, but some of you know what I'm talking about. The preacher gets up and he prays and then you repeat it back. And then he prays the next phrase, you repeat it back. Uh, and there are some, there have been a couple of Baptist churches that have done that on occasion that I've been in. It's not as, as familiar to us, but that's one way to do it, I suppose. I'm not a huge fan, to be honest. Um, it's just too rote, but I'm not going to say that it's wrong, necessarily. Then there's another one, leading in prayer, where I choose you, 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 and you to lead in prayer and in that order, all right? Is there anything wrong with that? No, I think that's uh, one way to do it, especially if we have a time crunch, because sometimes, let's face it, people got to eat, or, uh, you know, we, we got, uh, you still got to go to work tomorrow morning, your kids still have school, uh, and I know you're thinking, yeah, preacher, pre get it done here. Um, so sometimes it is very practical, God is practical, you know, you pray, then you, then you, then you, then you, then you, all right, and I'll close. And then we go to prayer. That is corporate prayer. There's nothing wrong with it. It is a little bit less free. It's a little more restrictive, but it has its place. It certainly has its place. Then we have what we call praying around. You guys know what that is? Let's pray around. And usually in that method, we sit in a circle. And I remember preaching for uh, Brother Gene Springer uh, there in um, Council Bluffs, Iowa. And he had planted a church in, in his hometown, and, and from scratch, he went to Bob Jones, came back, planted this church, led all this family to the Lord. Church was about 120, and, or maybe-ish, had a Christian school, and I figured out halfway through the week while I was there that like half of them, literally half the people were his family. He led them all to the Lord. And on Saturday night, they had a prayer meeting, and about 60 people showed up. It was all about, it was all his family, pretty much, was who, who came to pray. And they sat in this circle. Picture 60 people in a circle. And uh, uh, actually, they did not pray around. No, they, they actually prayed more of a symphony of prayer, which I'm getting to in a minute. But a lot of times, uh, if you're in a circle, you say, all right, we're starting with Bob, and we're working around and closing with Jane or whatever. All right, there's nothing wrong with that either. Right? Some might object, oh, but where's the Holy Spirit in that? Well, the Holy Spirit can use that. He can lead individuals in prayer as it goes around. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be all spontaneous. And again, there is um, some people really like that because they know when it's their turn, <laughs> you know. Also, you can kind of predict, all right, uh, okay, I think probably about 15 more minutes here. Uh, uh, so, but, but anyway, uh, it's another concept we're probably familiar with. Then we have the symphony of prayer, but I'll get to that in a minute. We have something I have called the cacophony of prayer. The cacophony of prayer. Now, I wonder how many of you have experienced this. This is, southern, this is a southern thing. It's where everybody hits their knees and opens their mouth and prays out loud all at the same time. How many of you experienced it? Come on. Come, oh, yes, with a good, all right, right here. Okay, it will change your life. I'm telling you, the first time I ever saw this, I was like, what just happened? 
You know, uh, and, and I haven't, uh, in evangelism, this happened all the time. I'd be preaching down south, and they'd say, oh, we're going to have a prayer meeting. And the, the pastor kneels. Once he starts praying, everybody opens their mouth and starts praying loud. And this guy over here is getting right with the Lord about his wife and this and that. And this guy, you're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, but I hadn't heard it in a long time. I was preaching for Brother Summers, my, my friend there at Pastor, uh, Pastor Summers at Faith in Chelsea. And he has a Bible conference once a year where he brings up all these Southern guys from Kentucky. And uh, he asked me to preach uh, with all these guys. We had like 25, 30 guys preaching for his Bible conference. He, he calls them from the floor. And so before it started, we all go to his office and he gives us the rules, you know, don't, don't go over time and this and that other thing and whatnot. And he says, all right, guys, let's go to prayer. And so we all go to prayer and all those guys start praying out loud. <laughs> I about jumped out of my skin. I just haven't been at, I haven't, I haven't experienced that for a while. Hey, can God hear all those prayers? He can. Did I get anything out of it? It was a trip. It, it was a trip. Uh, besides that, I'm not sure I did. Okay. It was exciting. Um, am I a huge fan? Probably not because I, I like to agree. I like to understand. I like to hear. And hearing is a, is a big deal, I think, to me and to the Lord, to the Word. But I'm not going to condemn it. The cacophony of prayer, man, if that's your thing, cacophonize together. And the Lord hears it all. And the Holy Spirit deciphers it with groanings that can't be uttered. So it's all good. The symphony of prayer is probably my favorite. The symphony of prayer concept. How many of you are, how many of you are familiar with this? All right. John Van Gelderen, how many of you heard his message? Symphony of prayer. All right. If you haven't heard it, just Google John Van Gelderen symphony of prayer, ding, and then listen to the message. Great message. It's a great concept. It comes from uh, if two of you shall agree and the word agree is that word uh, symphoneo or something like that. Charlie will tell me later. <laughs> what was that? That's the one. But it's the idea of symphony or symphonize. So the idea is this. Uh, where's Jacob? And Kate, is she here? No, all right, not tonight. Jacob's in an orchestra. And you're looking to the conductor to do his, his thing, Right? And sometimes he points your direction and you have to really give it to him and so forth. I used to be in, trumpet, in the trumpet section and he would point to the trumpets and boom, we would raise the roof. Uh, but you have the conductor who is doing the orchestrating, but we're all symphonizing together, right? That's the idea. And it's great. Well, that kind of a prayer philosophy really is neat. Two or three meeting together, symphonizing together together. The Holy Spirit's the conductor. When he points at you, pray. Symphonize with one another. Agree with one another. Don't get out of joint. Be harmonious, you know. Stay in tune with one another. It's a, it's a great concept, very biblical. This is my favorite way to pray. Uh, and we're going to talk about it more in a moment. Then you have another, another uh, method, which is breaking up into smaller groups, which we do this more often probably than any other style. And I'll talk about this in a moment. Uh, still corporate prayer, but small groups within the whole. All right, there's pros and cons of all of these styles. I've already talked about some. Some you can't really hear what's going on. Uh, others may be a little confusing. Um, some, it's just praying around and maybe that's too rote, not enough opportunity for the Holy Spirit to lead or whatever. Um, there is no one right way or wrong 
way to pray corporately. Let's just start with that. There might be something we feel the most comfortable with or we're, we're the most happy with, but it's not like there's right or wrong here. The key is this. Pray in a way that is most effective in accomplishing the goal of praying in one accord, corporately communing with God. I meant to put that on the screen. I don't think I did, so I'll say it again. The key is to pray in a way that is the most effective in accomplishing the goal of praying in one accord and corporately communing with God. And that can change depending on the situation. One situation, we're going to go out soul winning. I don't have time for an hour-long symphony of prayer if we're trying to get out and make some visits now before it rains or whatever. So maybe you lead, you lead, you lead, and let's go. There's different, there's different reasons why we might pray different ways. Let's talk about the symphony of prayer concept. And the symphony of, uh, uh, so the question is, is the symphony of prayer concept the most biblical and effective format for all corporate prayer meetings? All right. Is it the most biblical and effective format for all corporate prayer meetings? Keyword is there all. I would say no. It doesn't fit every situation. It's my favorite for a number of reasons. It gives more liberty. We are all, uh, we're not just praying arbitrarily. When we're going around, when it comes to me, I'm praying. Whether I wanted to or not, whether I got a prayer in me or not, I, I, sometimes you have to wake the guy up. <clears throat> oh, and Lord, oh, yeah. <laughs> he comes up with something, he says something, then he passes it on to the next guy. You know, sometimes those prayer meetings just get a little dead. The nice thing about the symphony of prayer, prayer meeting is everyone has to be alert, hopefully. Everyone's participating. Everyone's listening. We're agreeing. We're symphonizing. It's very uh, spontaneous. And I trust, spirit-led. It's great. But I would say, so is the symphony of prayer concept the most biblical and effective format for all corporate prayer meetings? Sometimes, that's my answer, sometimes. And I'll just get practical here. The symphony of prayer, in my experience, seems to work best in groups of 25 or less. Now, you can do 50 if you've got people who really are seasoned in the format and really understand. But let's be honest. The symphony of prayer format, with folks who aren't familiar with it, it can get really awkward really fast. Whose turn is it to, whose turn is it to pray? Uh, it's no one's turn to pray. There's a long silence. Ah. And people start freaking out. It's a long silence. What's going on? No one's praying. Or we're waiting on the Lord. We're not worried about it. There sometimes are long silences in a symphony of prayer, but if not everyone's on the same page, it can be, it can be really awkward, uncomfortable, and so forth. And so, but I have found in a small group of like 25, 30, 50 people, if they're all on the same page, it can really be uh, so effective and, and so helpful. But when you get into the hundreds, someone, someone needs to answer that, maybe. Or maybe silence it. All right. Um, so if, uh, if you get into the hundreds, or if you get into the thousands, which I have been in prayer meetings of that size, it gets almost impossible. And it can become counterproductive. Uh, people start praying over top of one another. It's okay if you're doing the cacophony of prayer, but this is the symphony of prayer, all right? Uh, in the one, everyone prays over top of each other, but in this one, it's like, no, we're not doing that. 
And then also the kids. Kids always over-spiritualize everything. They walk out of the prayer meeting. So who wasn't led of the Spirit? Bob or Bill? Don't do that. Don't do that. The symphony of prayer is built on. We're looking to the Holy Spirit to lead us. Two people prayed over top of each other, so one of them wasn't led. I don't even go there. I don't worry about it, okay? They were both led. Let them cacophonize for a minute. But let's just get practical. There are some big rooms where it's echoey and the, the sound dissipates as soon as it leaves your, your mouth. Um, some people have tried to do symphony of prayer with microphones. Terrible idea. I, you know, I want to pray. Wait. Here comes the mic. You know, it just, it, it changes everything. You, you, and then you feel like you're not praying to God anymore. You're, you're trying to be mic'd up for everybody else. It just, it gets weird. And then I've had, uh, I've been in prayer meetings where the room is so big, they needed mics, but they did not use mics. And so they just yell. And that can be a little bit overwhelming. Like these people are, you know, whoa, not everybody's willing to do that. Not, not everyone's got that opera oomph or even willing to try, you know. So then you've got two or three operatic people. They're going to carry the whole thing. The rest of us are just going to sit there. And we're just going to wait, wait for it to be over. Uh, big crowd, big room, not a fan. Small crowd, small room. The symphony of prayer is dynamic. Let me tell you about Ireland for a minute. When Alan and Marcella got saved and started to get delivered from heroin, they got fire. They, are, they were just on fire. My wife and I met them on Valentine's Day. We went out for a Valentine's date, fish and chips, Irish style. It's going to be awesome. And we met them, ended up leading them to the Lord, and the whole date got canceled as we spent the whole time at Alan Marcella's apartment, and it was great. They were our friends forever. Well, they came to a Wednesday night service, first Wednesday night service they've ever been to. We did the Symphony of Prayer style, uh, you just follow the Lord as the Lord leads, you pray. They dove in as if they'd been praying for 20 years. You know how in a symphony of prayer, people don't just pray once. You might pray two, three, four times. Short prayers, just pointed, specific prayers. It's like they had listened to John McElderman's whole sermon, and they had been doing it forever. It was phenomenal. They just dove in, and then that little group grew with these guys who were getting off of drugs. And uh, 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 in that small group, it just it worked so well. And the group grew, but it was still under 50. And it was, it was just a tremendous tremendous blessing. Uh, I'm looking at the time. I'm out of time, so I'm going to have to skip some things here. Um, so one thing people will say is this. Well, if we, if we, if we do a, a corporate prayer meeting, then we're all on the same page. We all understand what happened. And if God does a move of God, we're all there for it. First of all, when I go to a corporate prayer meeting, I'm not looking for anything to happen. I'm not looking for something sensational. I'm just looking to come into his presence and pray. Um, but I would say this, if we're all broken up into small groups, a move of God can still happen. And I would say a move of God in that setting is actually less suspect because how do you orchestrate all these individual groups? Only the Holy Spirit can do that. It is possible if you say it in one group that some move of God could be counterfeited easier 
because we were all there under the same emotion. Does that make sense? Did you catch any of that? So anyway, I don't have a problem with small groups. and God can move in that the same way he can in a bigger group. But I want to make it sure that it's effective. People have to be heard. Let me get to the guiding principles. All right. Uh, again, the purpose of prayer meetings is not to have some special experience or special manifestation. We're not seeking out the sensational. We're just seeking the Lord. Guiding principles. Guiding principles. Whatever method of corporate prayer you choose, it must be effective, efficient, and edifying to all. If people can't hear, then how are we going to agree? So, uh, you, you know, I don't want people screaming in prayer. So when a group gets so, so big, like, uh, frankly, even this size group is cumbersome for a symphony of prayer. We've tried it many times. I'm going to come back to that. But it can be difficult. It can be difficult for the older ones to hear the younger ones. It can be hard for the young ones to hear the young ones. Um, also, you have let all things be done decently and in order. That's the second principle uh, or guideline. <clears throat> it still needs to be orderly. Hearing and understanding is a non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Leadership of corporate prayer meetings must indeed lead. Leadership cannot allow the meeting to be hijacked in the name of the Spirit. So here's the thing. With the, with the, the symphony of prayer style of, of, of prayer meeting, we are excited about the opportunity to just trust the Holy Spirit to lead this thing. I'm not selecting you, 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 you. I'm not saying we're starting here and we're praying around. We're not going to do the cacophony all at once. We're, so we're going to let the Holy Spirit just burden one to pray, and he prays and she prays and so forth. So that's, that's exciting. But I've also seen this thing hijacked. And I can tell you, if you want, we can sit down for as much time as you want, and I can give you a story of amazing symphony of prayer prayer meetings, one after the next, after the next, after the next. And I can, I can match about every single one with a disaster where somebody hijacked that thing. And some of the strangest, craziest things I've experienced in ministry have happened in a prayer meeting that went totally wrong. And oftentimes it was because the leadership was afraid to possibly step on the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit put the leadership in that church to lead. And so if something gets weird, I've heard people pray obscene things. Obscene. One guy prayed all this sexual stuff. And I stopped him. And sometimes things can get, it's not the Holy Spirit anymore. There's another spirit just got in there. And sometimes the, the leadership is so wanting the Holy Spirit to control that then we just do nothing. No, 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 no. You're st I'm talking to me now. <laughs> if I'm the pastor of a prayer meeting, I have to lead, and I want you to know I'm going to. If we do a symphony of prayer and someone is praying in a fashion that is not conducive to the whole, or I'll just say if it's, if it's not right, if it's biblically not right, I'm going to step in, and we're going to have to uh, move past that, move through that. The church is a place that attracts needy people, and prayer meetings 
are an opportunity for needy people to steal the limelight. And that's not happening here. And someone says, oh, well, the Holy Spirit led me to do it. Oh, talk to me later. I'll tell you about things the Holy Spirit supposedly led people to do. That was crazy. And leadership has to lead. It's to the point where I had almost at one point thrown out the entire idea of the symphony of prayer. But I can't do it because we don't overreact. You can't overreact and throw something out that is good simply because you've been hurt. We have to rather step up our game to do it right. All right, so we want the Holy Spirit to lead, but the leadership also has to be leaning on the Holy Spirit and do their job. Church leadership should not be indecisive on account of not wanting to offend the Holy Spirit. I, I don't want to offend the Holy Spirit by not leading also. And if I accidentally step on something the Holy Spirit is doing, the Holy Spirit can correct me about that and we can work that out and fix it next time. Uh, when the Spirit of Lord is working... This is from John Van, plagiarism. He says, when the Spirit of the Lord is working, there is life with no deadness, light with no darkness, liberty with no duress. And in the symphony of prayer style prayer meetings, just the popcorn prayers, those three principles have been there. Life. It wasn't a dead prayer meeting. We're like, Boy, where'd the time go? Are you kidding me? It's over? Oh, yeah, because the Spirit of God was there. There was liberty. So there's life with no deadness. There's light with no darkness. Where he's leading, he's illuminating, he's bringing things to people's mind. You're agreeing with other people, and it's exciting. And there's liberty with no duress. Where you're not trying to make it happen. Or, you know, we've been praying for 45 minutes, and I haven't prayed yet. I really probably should, or people won't think I'm spiritual. I've got to work something off. That's duress. Oh, it's great when God just liberates the, the group to be free to pray. So we want to facilitate a meeting where, the, where that's the most effective, efficient, and edifying in this situation. Ah... Uh, Boy, I had several more things I was going to say. Ah, I guess I have to do a part three when I get back. Because I wanted to get back to Acts 4. Maybe we'll do that. So I'll, I'll get back to Acts 4 and we'll, we'll go to Acts 4 maybe next time. Uh, here's, here's the thing. I, I don't want to cut this so many ways. That you're like, well, so what are we supposed to do? All right, I, I don't want to make it difficult. We can pray corporately in a number of fashions. But we need to pray in a way that is effective and helpful, and edifying. And, uh, you know, as far as our church and our size um, doing the corporate prayer meeting, uh, it has sometimes been difficult here. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I can't hear people pray. I can't hear. And not everyone's comfortable praying out in a room this size, in a group this size. So guess what? There are certain ones who pray every time. And Lord bless you guys, because otherwise we wouldn't have anybody praying. But if I'm going to have the same five guys pray in every corporate prayer meeting, I'm probably not going to repeat that style all the time, because that means for us, the symphony of prayer has turned into five, six people, same five, six people every single week. 
Well, that's not the symphony of prayer. We're not even doing it. So if it's not even working, if it's not even happening, then let's, let's move this to, a, to something where a different format that'll get more people involved, smaller groups, more opportunities for people to get connected, plugged in, and so forth. Again, some of this is just teaching. I need to do a better job of it. You can pray for me about that. I know, though, I've been at some churches, one church that uh, is probably the most familiar with corporate prayer and the symphony of prayer, and there is one guy who, the prayer meeting would be popping. Prayer meeting is popping, and then this fellow would stand to his feet with his prayer bulletin. And then he'd fumble with his glasses, wrap them around his ear, and then look out. We were going to be there for 20 minutes. Set your clock. 20 minutes from that time as he read the bulletin to God. Oh. When he would stand to his feet, you could hear the groan. You could and you also and then after that you'd hear the scurry of the skirts whoosh 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 as the moms with children were taking them out because like no we're out of here I got school tomorrow you kidding me and sometimes I mean the faithful few will be there as he finished the last page of the prayer bulletin I tried to hide his prayer bulletin a couple times no I didn't But that wasn't what we were doing. That wasn't a symphony of prayer. That killed the thing. And so, anyway, there's got to be teaching in order for this to work. There's also got to be flexibility for us to be able to pray in fashions, in in, in formats that are conducive to the whole and are getting the job done. Again, will we do... In this size, in this room, will we ever do a symphony of prayer style? Oh, we probably will. I'll tell you one time where for sure I know we will. The next time I come to us with some really troubling news, Acts chapter 4 type news, we won't have any trouble. Even in a group this size, even with this huge ceiling, we won't have any trouble the urgency will be there. The focus will be there. The kids will be on the front of their seats. Stop coloring, you know, and they're like, what's going on? We're praying for something urgent here. But on the other hand, if we don't have that urgency, I'm not going to make it up either. All right? I'm not going to make it happen and, and for something, we want the Holy Spirit to have liberty. Let's close in prayer. And I'll let the teens get to their, to their function and we are going to go to prayer. Lord, thank you for this time that we can look at some practical matters of prayer. I pray that you would help us to be committed to corporate prayer. Help us, Lord, to have wisdom in the matter of corporate prayer. Help us to be better equipped and taught along these lines and help us to persist in corporate prayer effectively. And may we see great things done through prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.